Day three for Vange and I of empty nesting, and uh, it's going well for us. Uh, there was a Taco Bell commercial on this morning I burst into tears at, but you know, it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> National anthem last night, got a little weepy, but otherwise, that's, you know, things are going okay. Um, this morning, I want to start with kind of a, uh, the little introduction, a little uh, teaser for you. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term epic fail or not, but if you want to kill a couple hours on YouTube of watching people injure themselves for your amusement, not that that's a bad thing necessarily, probably is, um, there's a, you just type in epic fail and you'll see video after video of things like this um, where parking disasters uh, that are completely hard to understand how that could happen. Uh, you'll see a lot of videos that involve here, hold my beer and watch this. Um, these are always with men on that video. Um, again, not sure how you can get a truck that size up on a roof. Um, there's a lot of videos of men, again, working, uh, using you know, OSHA-approved safety passages. And then there's some things that are just inexplicable. You, just, it, you can't understand how somebody can so fundamentally misunderstand how things work in life. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was a car boat. Maybe it was, you know, he thought it was amphibious, I'm not sure. Um, but there's a contrast to that. So epic fail. Um, the contrast to that is what we usually kind of for the phrase would be called poetry in motion. And I want to show you a little video of some poetry in motion. And I think what I, at least I'd like you to think about is the grace and the beauty that can take place in something that normally can be very fast and very violent and yet can have just a little bit of, of beauty to it. So enjoy.
guess those are all things that I like. <laughs> if you preach, you can pick the video stuff that you want to have. Okay, if those are for me, poetry and motion. Things done well, done with best effort, maybe not perfectly, but done with full effort, which gives a certain beauty to them, a certain grace. Uh, the swing of Ken Griffey Jr. is fun to watch, although it perhaps contrasts with times today, uh, this nice look back to Mariners, times past when things were good. But anyways, I digress. Something that is worth doing is good, and something that is done well can also be termed as good. And as we work through the, the survey of the book of Titus, um, we're going to end today, and we're going to kind of finish this review. And before we launch into chapter 3, I want to just back up again and uh, kind of go through the other three, uh, other first two chapters and how we got here. Uh, the theme to Titus is uh, three parts, three chapters. Kind of there's about the body, the church, the buddy, meaning partnerships and plurality and leadership and ministry, and then the ball game, in that as Christians, we're all on a team and we're to be involved in the game. Uh, the author and the receiver, the author was Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul. The receiver was uh, an elder, a, a leader, as Dave reminded us, named Titus. And the setting is the island of Crete, which was a fairly prosperous, uh, fairly, call it anti-Christian in terms of it was just too comfortable for everybody and no one really saw a need for God necessarily. Pretty tough ground to, to be an, a leader in, to be establishing churches in which is an interesting parallel for us here in America today. The key verse is what Dave read for us earlier, 1-9, uh, holding fast to the faithful word, which is in accordance with teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Holding fast to the word of God is kind of our, our theme for the, the book of Titus. And uh, as we look through the different chapters, we learn that Titus is still active today. Uh, we see guys like Paul Mayhew in Macau doing the same work that Paul, the Apostle Paul, did with Titus. And Paul Mayhew gets to be a part of what God's doing in China and Macau and in Hong Kong. And we got to take a look at how the Bible's still being lived out here at Grace Point. We looked at leadership here at, uh, in our little church as following the same exact uh, qualifications that are laid out in Titus. We talked about board elders and pastor elders and how what the word elder and how Paul used it really indicates this closeness to people, not a, uh, not a meeting, not a governmental body, but men, leaders that are close to people, and that's where the functions take place is in ministry. And we talked about how important leadership can be. Last week, we kind of got into the, the second part of chapter 2, and we talked about hypocrisy and about how Paul is exhorting us as Christians and exhorting Titus to the churches in Crete to act on your beliefs, to do things that are in parallel with what we say we believe. And we talked about being sensible, righteous, and godly in our actions. And that brings us to chapter 3, which will be the concluding chapter. And you'll find that what I talk about today is very similar to what we talked about last week, which, in fairness to me, is because... Paul's chapter 3 is very similar to chapter 2. When Paul wrote this letter, he didn't say chapter 1 and give a heading, chapter 2. It, it's a letter. It, it has one thought. And chapter 2 is very much flows into chapter 3 because to Paul it was just one big thought. What we're going to look at today is this central question. So we read the book of Titus. What are we supposed to do? So we read this. Uh, are we supposed to read and be smart? I don't know. 
Well, actually, the answer is we're, we're to do good deeds and do them good. And I'll pause here and make a warning for any of you that are English teachers or were taught English well, that I'll be intentionally violating forms of grammar for both comedic effect and for alliteration today. Um, my mother was an English teacher, and you might find there's some apologies on the notes there to various people who taught me much better than you'll hear me speak today. But again, I'm here and they're not, so tough. Um, our text for today is, if you want to grab your Bibles and open up to chapter 3 of Titus, and if, if you would stand as an act of worship as I read from the Word today. We're going to be looking at the first 11 verses of chapter 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hating, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we had done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently, so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can be your people because of you, that we can have your word because of you, that we can gather together under your name, free from persecution, because of you. We pray this morning that my words would be enlightened, empowered by entirely your Holy Spirit, that any mistakes of my part would be washed away by you and by each one of our knowledge of you and your word in our own lives. Father, we thank you for this time and pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. So, chapter 3. If you're looking at structure, which I always like to look at structure, how is it kind of organized, it's a lot like the other two chapters. That there's two paragraphs primarily. Uh, one, instructions for godly actions. And the second one is kind of personal, some notes, um, housekeeping details that are kind of specific to what Titus was receiving some instruction from Paul about how to do things and carrying the letter and such. Um, the question for today of what are we supposed to do really is focused on those first 11 verses of, uh, of chapter 3 of Titus. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning, if I can find the remote. Um, so anytime you take a look at Scripture, there's various angles you can look at. And I'm going to be looking at kind of a specific angle on this, what are we supposed to do. There's a lot in those 11 verses. There are parts about our, our salvation. There's parts about regeneration of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things you could dig into and spend several, several uh, lessons on just looking at a couple different words. I'm looking at one aspect of it. Again, this is a review of chapters. This is not the end-all, be-all, full study of the book of Titus. 
So with that in mind, uh, we'll be taking a look at kind of just remember how this is written to and what was about in that this is written to churches. This is written to believers. This is written by an apostle to an elder who's going to be appointing elders and leading churches in Crete. And that's important that we keep that in mind. This is written to Christians. And because we're talking about actions, I want to be real clear and take just a little pause in context side of when we talk about salvation and your actions. Your salvation, being saved as a Christian, has three parts. You've all heard this before, and I'm on this side of the church. You know what I'm going to say. Justified. When we believe the first time that Jesus Christ is my Savior and I believe Him, I am justified. And I am saved from the penalty of sin. Someday, which Neil is experiencing right now, we will all be glorified. In the future, we will be saved from the presence of sin. Now, this chapter and this book is dealing with this part in between, which is a lot of what Paul talks about. Our sanctification, being saved from the power of sin. And sanctification is a little bit trickier because we still use the term being saved from, but it's different than justification. When we talk about actions, which is what we're talking about today, it's to help us mature as Christians. It's to help us be more like Jesus Christ, which we, we call confirmation or uh, to, to grow in faith. That's this part. And our deeds are about growing in faith. They're not a part of being saved or justification. Justification, Paul was real clear in that chapter, um, right in the middle of it, that that's an act of belief. That's done with. That happened one time, it was in the past, and it's permanent. Cannot be taken away. It was all God there. Here, it's a little of us and a little bit of God. There are things we do and choose to do that help us to grow in the faith and to be more like Jesus Christ. Paul is always addressing everything we talk about today is about sanctification, about trying to be more mature as a Christian today than I was yesterday. And so when we're talking about things we do, do not put it in the category of you need to do this to be a Christian. Because in this part, these are good things to do, but they're going to be different for you and I. Back here, believe. When you believe, you're saved. Cannot be taken away. Nothing you can do can lose that. Sanctification, I can choose to grow, or I can choose to be stagnant. That is my choice, and that is something that I wrestle with the Holy Spirit about, and you wrestle with the Holy Spirit on the sanctification, not justification, though. So, with all that, let's take a look at kind of what the, let's break this down. And I'm, I'm a simple guy, so I look at this verse, and I see some repeated words that's usually worth taking a look at, and good shows up a couple times. Three, if my math is correct. And here's the interesting thing about these three times where good shows up, which is, again, kind of my angle for taking a look at this. That's not the same word that Paul used, meaning the English translation is different. We use one word, good. Paul had a lot of different words to choose from. And this word, good, up here in verse 1, is different from these two in verses 8 and 14 and in other places. And that, to me, was very interesting. And I think it's a good key to understanding what this is all about. So before we even launch in here, let's talk about the definitions of these two words. Verse 1 good is this. 
meaning something that is intrinsically good. The action itself is, is pure, is noble, and what I would probably write on my notes, if were I taking notes, would be acceptable to God. It's an act that in and of itself is good. It's worthwhile in God's eyes. Useful, honorable. Now in 8 and 14, it's more the quality. And it talks about a different type of good. And it means the action is praiseworthy. Or the action is, because of it, is, is it's pure, noble. And the word I would write down is beautiful. And so what Paul's talking about is doing something acceptable to God in a beautiful way. Or, if you try to be funny, do good, good. Do good deeds, goodly. Do them good. Good deeds done good, and this is where we get our title from. It's kind of taking to the actions that are done and acceptable to God, done in a particularly beautiful way like a beautiful swing of Ken Griffey Jr. A good action, done good. So, let's break down this paragraph just a little bit. So the main paragraph kind of can be broken down into three parts, and I think I left that in your notes. You don't have to write all this down. But uh, reminding people, remembering, and responsibilities. Verses 1 and 2 are reminding others to do good. To do good deeds, done good. Paul's instruction, instructing Titus to remind the churches in Crete to be about good things, to be about good actions. He's, it's a reminding ministry. We talked about that this morning in prayer, that a lot of what happens in this place is to remind us, because we need that. A lot of the Bible is about reminding us of truths, because we kind of forget things a lot. And Paul's asking Titus, telling Titus, in fact, to remind the Cretan people, the churches, to be about good actions, to Follow the laws. And that's a whole interesting discussion right there. What's our responsibility to follow authorities as Christians? Um, to be ready to do good deeds. Tell those Cretan churches, be ready to do good. And it kind of has a lot of summary stuff, but I, I'll put it under be nice, which sounds trite. Hey, Christians, be nice. Don't be mean to each other. And yet, when you think of, man, a lot of people on TV and a lot of stuff on social media that are Christians not being very nice, being a little judgmental, being a little bit proud of, uh, of things. People who disagree or don't vote or live a different lifestyle than us, um, that's not necessarily, when we judge that, that's, that's not being nice. Doing well, do good deeds. Uh, an example would be is, is not that you do the deed perfectly, but you give your best effort. Great example is our worship team, who, as I gesture behind me, I realize they're not back there right now, but... The worship team that would normally be here, uh, they take a lot of time and effort to find music that is appropriate lyrics that are in line with doctrine, that the lyrics are, are the kind that the group can sing together, which is not every song, uh, that it fulfills a certain purpose, and then they practice. They take great time and effort to be able to facilitate all of us worshiping God. You know, we're not... At a concert, we're together to worship God. They don't do it perfectly, but they give their best effort. And that's a good deed done good. And that's something I think we can be thankful for. That's the first two verses. Verses 3 and 7, Paul to Titus, to us, is remember the good deeds done in us. 
Paul gives us some good instruction about do these things, but then he wants us to remember that we're all equal. That as Christians, we were all sinners. We were bound for hell before we were justified. Every one of us, whether we were 5 or 85, when we believed in Christ, we were a sinner. And God looks at you and I the same way he looks at what we might call a despicable person or somebody who seemed to have a real criminal lifestyle. If that person believed, they're, they're saved. And it's a miracle, just like it was for you and for me to be saved. And Paul's remembering, reminding us to remember that and that keeps us humble. That we were all sinners, and my favorite phrase in all the Bible, but God. We were a sinner, but God. Or in this case, but when the kindness of God came in, it brought us salvation. And we have to remember that there's nothing we can do personally to earn that. Which also means there's nothing we can personally do to lose that. Praise God. Remember that. It's a humbling thing to remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Remember that I was worth nothing and yet God saved me. God loved me that much and he loved you that much. So remember that. And then verses 8 through 11 kind of comes down to the crux of it, which is you have responsibilities. That you're a player on a team and you're not to be a bench warmer. You're supposed to be involved in the ball game. And Paul breaks down this a little bit, kind of into three parts. And he starts this little section with, he has this phrase, um, this is a trustworthy statement. That's a little kind of a narrative trick Paul uses in his writing. It shows up a lot, but it's a sign. And the sign is, listen to what I say next. This is important to you. And he'll say, this is a trustworthy statement. So you, you kind of zero in. And it's kind of a do and don't, if you summarize it that way. Do... Good work, good deeds. Do the good deeds good, beautifully. Give your best effort. Speak confidently. Speak as part of being doing good deeds is to be a, you know to speak, and it's so that we encourage each other, so that the other believers, so that those who have believed, to use the phrase, the verse, but so that we all do more good. If I speak about doing good deeds. That might encourage you to do good deeds. And when you speak to do about doing good deeds, that encourages me. And that's, we're in this whole church thing. It's not a, a Lone Ranger operation we have here. God works through the church, through the group of us. And then Paul gives some don'ts there too. And the don'ts are kind of interesting. It all has to do with unity. Don't break unity. Don't divide. And that division in the church is always the way that Satan attacks the church. It's through divisions. And so Paul lists some of those controversies, strifes, disputes, factions. He gives a couple examples of things people argue about, which apparently were going on in Crete at the time. One definition of a, a factious person is a specialist in half-truth. Okay? When Satan comes at our church, he doesn't come at us with worship Satan. He comes at us with just a half-truth. Just a little bit of, a little bit, sounds kind of like the gospel, but it's not quite there. And we're to be alert for that. And that can be difficult. Social media and half-truth seem to be made for one another. Okay, we need to be alert. 
We need to make sure that we don't engage in things that divide, that split us apart. So a strong reminder from Paul about our responsibilities as Christians not to be dividers, but to remember who we are in Jesus Christ and to remind others to be about doing good deeds and doing them with our best effort. So, as we kind of come to the end of this, oops, you know what, I skipped, okay, Uh, yeah, sorry. This is what happens when you start preaching, you kind of get focused and you forget to, to click your thumb. As we come to the end, we'll come back to the central question again, which is what are we supposed to do? And we're supposed to be about doing good deeds and doing them good. And reviewing, we had a lot of instructions about the church, about the body, the importance of leadership, the importance of the word of God. We talked about the buddy, about how leadership is in partnership, and there's partner between people and leaders and leaders with each other, and there's plurality, and there's generations helping the next generation, and there's our responsibilities for all of us as, as Christians to be on Team Grace Point and to be off the bench and involved with the work of the church, however that looks, which and there's a lot of ways to look. And maybe this reminder is we're gathered together as a church right now you're still the church tomorrow morning. You're still the church Friday night. You're still the church on Saturday. You're just scattered out, and we're still to be about that work. Whatever that looks like in your life, doing good deeds, doing them well, <coughs> is what this is about. So, we're to do good deeds, we're to do them good, to help save, spread the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. Brian, if I start to go in a coughing fit, cut the mic before I blow a speaker. <clears throat> there are principles to follow here as we kind of come to how you apply this in your life. What does it mean to do good deeds and do them well in your life? Yes, baseball swinging is great, but that's really not what we're talking about. It's a good example. So, ideas for you, inspiration. If you have your notes, turn them over. these are the five-year goals for Grace Point Church. Some of them are supposed to be, are are being worked on now. Some of them are supposed to happen in the next couple years. The leadership has prayed about this. The leadership has started working on this. The leadership is engaged in, in these things now. And we are calling you to join us in those things. However, you don't need to wait for us either. You can be about doing that right now. You can look at these things and say, are there things that you can be engaged in, either in the future or right now, that are a part of that? We do these things for God, and we give them our best effort. Not perfection, because that's kind of impossible sometimes. And sometimes we don't do something because we don't think we can do it perfectly. And if you've ever heard the phrase that perfection is the enemy of the great. Sometimes we don't do something, we give up on a great effort because, well, it won't be perfect because I just won't do it at all. That's not what we're... Do it with your best effort. If it's perfect, praise God. If it's not perfect, you probably did something great. But if you give your best effort, I think God's honored with that. I know that God's honored with that. So when we say do good things and do them good, do them with your best effort. And trust God and the Holy Spirit to make things work out for them. So, in final, final closing... You're part of this body. You have buddies here that you need to help and that are here to help you. 
And you have a role in this thing, this ball game that we call being the church. There are principles to find good things to do and do them good. I can hear my mother. Find good things to do one time and do them well. That is what we're here to do as a church. That is part of our purpose, and I think if you look at our vision statement, you'll find that that mirrors along with that. Find good deeds, do them good. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we come to you as your group of believers this morning, your church gathered in one place. We give thanks to you. We ask your forgiveness for the times that we have either not acted or we have acted out of malice. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this place. We thank you for the amazing blessing of freedom in our government to worship you, which so few people enjoy worldwide. Father, you are the high king of heaven. And fathers, we close this time of learning from your word and having your Holy Spirit use it to write it into our hearts. We want to worship you now. We want to respond to the truth, the love, and give back to you love and worship of you because you are our God and we are your people. And Father, you direct us. And this morning we give you our hearts, Father, that you might use us to worship and bring praise to yourself to spread your gospel across this area and use us in that, that great, great process. Father, we thank you for this time, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.